Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined, as usual, by Ari Wasserman. Ari, it's been a busy week on the recruiting front. A busy week for you on uh, with some fan bases on social media. we got a lot to talk about. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting close to, to the high season here. we got official visits happening. Arch Manning went to Georgia this past weekend and looked super fly in that all-white um, Georgia uniform, which is clean as hell, by the way. Yeah, looking good. Do they wear that very often? No. Uh, you mean the white on white? The white on white? I thought it looked awesome. I think they always wear silver pants. I don't even I don't even recall wearing like seeing them wear white on white. By the way, that's my favorite uniform combination. White on white. I don't that's, care what school you are. Like, I love Ohio State's white on silver, but like Penn State's white on white. Any team that can go white on white, I think is really sharp. You know what I like? Um, and you see it sometimes when a team has like a third color or a second color that's like secondary that's just kind of like an accent. Yeah. And then they use that secondary accent color as their uniform. Like when Clemson goes all yeah. purple, when Clemson goes all purple, I think it's gorgeous. And like yeah. I know that 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 uh that uniform Like SMU. SMU like, yes, like or when they all, go red, like they usually wear blue, yeah. right? When they go red, that looks cool. We can do a recruiting episode about who's got the best logos, but like that Dallas logo that SMU uses is amongst one of the best logos in college football. Yeah, Who do you think's got the best uniforms in college football? Like, if you were a head coach, because photo shoots are such a big deal, um, photo shoots for for recruits are, are huge. And it's just like, what uniform would you use at your school or, or any school to, like, make a photo shoot look good? Okay. This is more traditional, so this isn't necessarily for recruiting. I love Penn State and Ohio State. I love the boring, like, Penn State's so traditional. I like Baylor's. I like the colors and Baylor, and I like the combinations. I like the I like the the green and the gold. So then you're a big Alabama uniform person. Yes. Man, I cannot get on board with Penn State, but I do like traditional uniforms. Like I do like Alabama, and I do like Michigan. Um, and like I'm not really a big fan of like Oregon, but like there's a lot of schools that have those traditional. Like Texas has cool uniforms. Texas is very Notre good. Dame's uniforms are really sweet. You know who always has great uniforms? Um. Are, are is navy and army during the the army navy game that's awesome they, they yeah, always have awesome. really they always have really good uniforms but um yeah i mean i think that the uniform game in college football in general is great and i just yeah. don't love under armor i think the under armor oh, ones totally. get tacky or adidas totally too, agree. Like, and i promise everyone we'll get to recruiting soon but i i i don't like under armor like the polo shirts that they designed for the coaches even because you know as we talked about last week and i talked about i was sideline reporter for vanderbilt and nike stuff so i got tons of great nike gear and like all the nike shirts the polo shirts because they'd come up with new ones so every sweet. year they were always great and the, i just don't like the under armor i don't really like the adidas stuff either so the adidas just, the adidas uniforms look like the jerseys are almost like ironed onto the pads it's like they don't they fit too snugly i don't know how to explain it yeah. But my favorite uniforms in college football, you're going to laugh at this because everybody thinks I'm a USC homer, but I think USC's home uniforms are beautiful. And Nothing maybe it's better because than Reggie the Bush was a badass game when they're yes. USC versus UCLA when they're both playing they're wearing their dark colors. Every single rivalry game should be two teams wearing their home uniforms. Agree. Agree. Okay. All right, but yeah, let's, recruiting. Let's talk recruiting. So, like I said, a lot to discuss on the show. Huge week for Cincinnati. Like some quants, some definitely some quality, but definitely a lot of quantity in this class. We'll get to in a minute. A potentially huge weekend for Michigan State. They've got a lot of elite visitors coming to campus. There's a big announcement looming from a, t- a 2024 quarterback from Michigan. We've got some mailbag questions and some trivia, but let's start with Cincinnati. You wrote 
in your this week in recruiting on the athletic today that they had nine commitments in the past week. Well, Ari, now they have 10 commitments because they right. got another commitment today. Um, 10 commitments basically in the last five days, highlighted by four star safety Day McCullough. D, I mean, I guess yeah. it's Day, right? Uh, Day McCullough from South Bend. The name should sound familiar. He's the son of Notre Dame running backs coach Deland McCullough. Had been an Indiana commit. His dad was at Indiana. His two older brothers are at Indiana right now. So this is just this was a really good get for what's he rated Cincinnati two eleven or something two twenty two or something yeah he's in the two hundreds he's, he's a he, yeah, I think go ahead. I think he's two twenty two um and he is the second highest rated player if he signs at Cincinnati to ever sign with the Bearcats and two years ago or three years ago when Evan, Evan Prater, Prater signed yeah. he's number one um and you you looked us up for me um but. I think they are going to sign the best G5 class of all time, and the numbers are kind of wonky. Do you want to explain why they are? But I didn't really understand why that. What you, you okay? Said so that what I said was wrong. But no, I, we. Here's the deal. We've done this research in the past. I'm pretty sure that Cincinnati's class from two, 2020, which was ranked 41, is the highest G5. Now and that's BYU Prater in it. Yeah, BYU is kind of its own category. Some might consider that non B. So throw out BYU, but. We use 247 Composite, great research tool. Their site was being a little wonky the last two days where beyond 2010, I could not look up team rankings. So I did not want you to put in your story that it was the highest rated G5 class because I couldn't Just in case it was wrong. confirm it. We Got can it. talk about it on the podcast and think it's the highest rated. Um, so, so just some numbers here. Average player rating in this class, it's now up to four, by the way. Average player rating is 87.23. That's the second lowest among teams ranked in the top 10 right now, ahead of only Northwestern. For some comparison, last year's Cincinnati class average was 86.39. So 87.23, basically a full point better. So this is shaping up to be a top 25-ish class, would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Um. And do we hold on? Do we put an asterisk on this, calling it the best G five class because they are recruiting to the Big Twelve now? And you can say what I you mean, want about the I, Big I think Twelve that being every single class is what it is at the time. Like, I don't know. I I have such a, a weird feeling about that because it's just like once Texas and Oklahoma leave, I just feel like the Big Twelve was like G five power. Like I mean, I don't know. It, it's you G5 take the and two. A half? It's like. G five and a half. I think it's funny. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, you know, Cincinnati, you know, feels like it's a power five school and, and it is, you know, technically right now. I don't know how the new big 12 is going to be viewed by the college football playoff committee and college football fans in general once that switch happens. And like, I don't think that the move to the big 12 is why they're recruiting this way. I mean, they already oh, were do. trending this. You do. I think they're selling the hell out of this. Now, I think being better going to the college football playoff it all helps but i guarantee you that they're putting big 12 power five in every graphic everything they do yeah well i mean they made it to the playoff last year without being in the power five so you know and they played on the highest stage against alabama with everybody watching so you know they and it's not like they're signing five top 250 but if players, they go from you know? classes in the 40s like three straight classes in the 40s to signing the number 23 class yeah huge and the only huge. thing that changed is joining or getting but an that's invitation not the only thing that 12. changed well it that was a major thing that changed you yeah, know but like so did their head coach and so did their playoff appearance 
not their head coach. I'm talking about they signed classes in the 40s the last two or three years. Yeah, I Luke know, Fickle's but their head, their head like coach. Luke Fickle's uh, I mean, persona to, as a, as a as a yeah. coach has shifted dramatically in the last year. Yeah, yeah. So you know, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying like it's it's a it's a really really good program in a very solid spot geographically. And you know, the thing that I've been most surprised about Cincinnati's class isn't even just how well they're recruiting. It's just that they're landing out of state players. Like these, some of these commitments were in Florida. You know what I mean? Like I want to go look up their class right now and see uh, where. Um, where everybody's from but like it's like a nice breakdown you got seven in ohio out of the 18 but you have four in florida two in michigan one in dc one in indiana one in missouri one in jersey and one in tennessee but that's like a that's like a national class yeah so here's here's what i want to bring up but did you read the stat from the story about like how i think there was only three top 500 players in the 2020 class that that broke that g5 record yeah and i think that there's five or six six now uh in this class so like it's it's certainly going to be better than the one that we think broke the record yeah yeah and that's that's what that's the difference you know obviously it's it's tough to say right now where these like the northwesterns of the world and texas tech and in cincinnati that are on the top 10 based on a lot of commitments in their class where they're going to fall it's much easier to gauge when you kind of look at how many four stars they have how many top 200 kids now i brought this up a couple weeks ago i think and we i think we both dismissed it but the commitment they got today, Kamari Burns from is it Gahana, Ohio? Gahana. Gahana. Where is that Columbus basically? It's or? north uh it's a suburb north of Columbus. Okay. But so it's Columbus, yeah. Had a had a Kentucky offer. I didn't look at every recruit in their class. It's not north, looked, it's east of Columbus, okay. my bad. I yeah. spot checked three or four of their Midwestern signees or commitments. They all had Kentucky offers. Does Cincinnati join the Big Twelve? Does Cincinnati making the college football playoff? Does Cincinnati retaining Luke Fickle threaten Kentucky? We, yeah, it's we, an interesting, we both said a couple weeks ago discussion we, because there was enough yeah. room for both of them. Yeah, there's an, there's enough. I mean, both of them have been eating in there, and I think it's a nice segue to the next conversation. But Michigan State used to be, yeah, used to be the third. Michigan you know, State's too cool for that now, right? But now Michigan State seems like a Colton Pouncey uh, and Andy <laughs> Staples. You know, let me have it the other day um, about Michigan State, and it's like I went and I looked at their um, their offers list and, and what they're doing. And they seem to be having a very national plan and they're very deep in Georgia. And, you know, I'm not saying they're going out and, and recruiting five stars against Alabama and Georgia and in the South, but you know, I think they're, they prefer their three-star quarterbacks to be Southern sec footprint type players and, you know, bigger than six foot. And, you know, it seems to me that that, that is an interesting strategy. So, you know, in Michigan state, I guess who, they picked up, you know, two commitments in the last few days as well. Um, and both of them, I think, four star were like cornerback, four star Chance, corner. Uh, yeah, Chance Rucker from Denton, Texas, your neck of the woods. Yep. I might maybe I'll like uh, I'll I'll see if um, Colton Pouncey will let me go do this, but maybe I'll go to Denton, Texas, and talk to that kid and write a story about Michigan State because it's not that far from me, and I'd like to like hear like what Michigan State sales pitch is and how they got him because Rucker, if I'm not mistaken, had an A and M and a Texas offer, right? So it's, it's like if this the, profile showed that. So like if if he's gonna come out and. Mel Tucker, that is, into Texas and just steal players out of Texas that have big time, you know, regional offers, then, you know, that's a really good thing. And it's just like, I, th- I guess the question is, is like, how sustainable is that? And like, is that what you expect from a coach who's the fourth highest paid coach in college football? I mean, a hundred million dollar contract. It's like they're skipping the the D'Antonio phase and it seems like they're trying to go, you know, way higher. Yeah. They're trying to like beat out Alabama. You don't pay a coach a hundred million to go eight and four. Now we can argue whether or not that's realistic or not, but they're they're 
their goals are obviously higher. And I, I listened to the, I didn't listen to the podcast yet uh, with Colton, but I listened to the clip that Andy put out on social media. And I get their points like, which, should they not try to be better? Of course they should try to be better. I think your point that you made in the mailbag uh, that was published Tuesday was be careful. Don't, you know, you see, and this is one of the things I learned from you when we first started working together that, you know, recruiting is, is about resources, time resources. And if you allocate too many resources to too many reaches and you struggle and you don't get those, it's not good. I mean, it seems to be playing di- paying dividends for Michigan State right now because they have um, the most talent scheduled for official visits in the country, more than Georgia, more than Alabama, more than Ohio State. And if you go look at their you know, official visitors list for the weekend and for the month, like there is a ton of elite-level talent coming in. Uh, Tamarian Parker and... Amari Washington and Bill you know, Jalen Thompson. Player. Yeah. And Bill Landis's favorite player, Samson uh, Okunlola. Mm-hmm. How do you say his name? I don't have it in front of me. So Samson Okunlola. Uh, he's a five-star offensive tackle from my favorite state, which is Massachusetts. And it's like, I look at this list and there's a bunch of like top 100 players, fringe top 100 players going on official visits to East Lansing. And it's like, that is really encouraging and exciting right now. But here's a fun stat. Mel Tucker hasn't signed a top 100 player yet out of high school. And he has this huge list, and it seems like this this plan is paying dividends. But I want to see them close before we celebrate, right? Like, they haven't closed yet. And there's a lot of teams. If you go, like, look at Samson um, Okunlola's uh, offers list right now, it's like he's officially visiting Michigan State. But he also is going to be uh, visiting some other big-time places. He's also considering Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Miami, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oregon, and Penn State. Like it's like okay, well he's visiting Michigan State this weekend. Huge, and it's it's a huge step to get kids on campus to get kids to get on an airplane and come see you. So I'm not I'm not counting them out, but it's just like I made this comparison on Andy's show the other day, and you know I'll, I'll do it here. It's like if I wanted to run a marathon, you know my my goal is to run 26.2 miles or whatever the sticker is that people put on their Subarus. Um, and I told my wife, hey, you know what? I want to run a marathon. I don't walk out the front door and go try to run 13 miles on day one. You know what I mean? Like recruiting, and, and I wrote about this uh, as, a, as a, how do you build a program that gets into the cool kids club, like the way Clemson did it? It's a progression. You know, you don't just go from You're still walking to the lunchroom and sit down with, yeah. to like three in one year. You know, you need to get better and better every year. And I'm not saying that's not what Michigan State is doing. And Colton Pouncey put out a, a stat on uh, Wednesday that I think is interesting. And, you know, I'll go try to find and read it. But it's like they have a, a huge influx of um, four-star players into their classes. And uh, here's the stat right now, if my computer will load. Michigan State signed six composite four-star prospects in the 2022 class and has five committed to its 2023 class so far, a total of 11. The number of composite four-star prospects MSU signed in the 2017, 18, 19, 20, and 21 classes was only 10. So like that's like a that's a huge influx, but it's like that is a reasonable step that Michigan State is taking. It's like let's just hold off on the national championship bullshit for a minute and just like watch them build it slowly. And if they if they keep getting better every year incrementally, then maybe our views of Michigan State and what they're supposed to be and what they will be will be different in five years. It's like you don't just go from ass kicked by Ohio State every year uh, in the past four or five years to 
to national championship contender because you have a lot of visitors coming in, you know? So it's just like, you know, let's just, you know, take a deep breath and, and let it happen. And you know what? If Michigan State wins a national championship, I'll be the first person to come out and say I was wrong. Yeah. And you you had sort of a mea culpa in your mailbag. You said Yeah, yeah, I know. And it's like I made a mistake and you know, said that and then viewed Michigan State as a as a team that should be recruiting Ohio and, and kind of doing the Kentucky plan that we talk about so much. And it's like Actually, if you look at what Michigan State's bringing in in terms of visitors, they're, they're not doing that at all. So, like, that was a mistake on my part. And I, you know, as arrogant as I sound sometimes on these podcasts when I'm rattling off my my takes, like, I'm a man that will admit when he's been wrong and I was wrong. So, you know, you know, all we can do right now on, on Wednesday, June 28th of this year is, you know, it's, give it's June 8th. It's June 8th. What did I say? 28th. <laughs> You okay there? June 8th. Uh, what year is it? 2022? Um, uh, yes. Is give the best context that we can based on what we understand uh, about the sport in the current situation. And it's Mel Tucker's job to um, change our viewpoint slowly but surely until it doesn't sound so crazy to think that Michigan State can win a national championship. Agree. Agree. Um, okay. I want to talk about some quarterbacks in a lot of different schools. So feel free to like interrupt me at any point, but there's just a lot of quarterback dominoes and who's recruiting who and all that stuff. So we think we're recording this Wednesday. CJ Carr, five-star quarterback from Michigan is announcing Thursday night, a class of 2024 quarterback. Most people think it's Notre Dame, even though his last name is Carr and he's the grandson of Lloyd Carr, former Michigan coach. We can talk in a minute about what a blow that is to Michigan's recruiting. But, so, Notre Dame, if it gets C.J. Carr, has when a quarterback. You're, he's going you're okay. there. Okay. Yeah. If, I mean, but we don't know that for sure. As you said, you're, yes, we do. this week, you know, weird, weird things happen. <laughs> it looked like... Notre Dame was trending for Dante Moore, the five-star quarterback out of Detroit in the 2023 class. We think that they might cool on him if they get their 24 quarterback. So where does that leave Dante Moore? Could he be LSU, Texas A&M? Could he go down there? Now Michigan, which could strike out on five-star quarterbacks in the 23 class and the 24 class from in-state, now appears to be trending for 2024 five-star Jaden Davis from Charlotte, who at one point looked like an Ohio State lean, if you can say lean for a 2024 kid. So that's a lot of quarterback dominoes there. And I, I love quarterback hope, dominoes almost yeah. as much as I love dominoes. Yeah, I hope you followed that. Um, so speak, Ari. Yeah, I uh, Dante Moore has been a really, really hard person to peg because for a while there it did seem like Notre Dame was going to be the team to beat, but... You know, I don't know that that's the case right now. Um, and it's not like they're just going to cool off on him only because they got a 2024 commitment, you know, hypothetically with CJ Carr, but like also having the quarterback of the future signed up for 2024 kind of helps you, you know, reprioritize or view the, the class differently. So, you know, I, I think that there was a point in time where Notre Dame was probably expecting that a commitment was going to be coming. Um, and it never did. And at a certain point, it's just like you kind of just move on and um, you you feel good about Tyler Buckner on the roster as being somebody there for the next two years. And, you know, maybe you need to transfer quarterback or you go after somebody else in the 2023 class. But it kind of completely shifts the the dire need to get another four five star quarterback committed uh, uh, to, you know, come into the 
the program and, and take over for Buckner when that time comes. So, you know, uh, Notre Dame has done a tremendous job. And, and we're going to have Mark- Pete Sampson on next week, our yes. Notre Dame beat writer, to, to talk more about Notre Dame's classes in 23 and 24 and under Marcus Freeman. Yes. Um, and like Dante Moore now is taking official visits, I think, to, you know, uh, Miami and LSU and Oregon. Like he's a national recruit now. So I don't really know where Michigan stands on that. And it's just like I – I really try hard not to like I'm trying like not to talk about Michigan as much because I feel like in the past and um, they made the playoff. Well, they made the playoff, but like every single time I say anything about them, like people are hypercritical about it because I covered Ohio State and it just drives me crazy. So I just try not to discuss them, which is probably a bad thing. And I, I but like have you seen a program that made the playoff lack lack juice like this? It's like they're it's boring. Nothing's happening. What if they right get Jaden Davis five star from great. 2024? I hope they do. It'd be great. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, right now they've got one top 100 player and six commitments, and I'm not necessarily sure the direction that they're heading in right now. So, you know, you would expect like Jim Harbaugh. I mean, I guess that's what happens when your head coach interviews for NFL jobs. You know, you kind of torpedo your, um, yeah, you know, your recruiting a little bit. But you know, they've got a lot of targets here, and you know, guys in the top 50 and the top 100 that they're they're, they're recruiting. Um, I just don't know how many of these guys they're actually going to get. So like Caden Proctor and Nicholas Harbour and guys like that, that they're still in on uh, Jason Moore, Charles uh, Jag Jagusa. Like it's uh, it's so hard to pronounce his name. Um, I am very curious to see where Michigan ends up because I think the expectation was that they would at least sign a top 10 class here for making the playoff. They wanted to build on what they did last year. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, another quarterback who's part of all of these dominoes Jalen Rashada is it Rashida Rashada I think it's Rashada Rashada, from Pittsburgh uh, California was a five-star for a while now he's number 24 is the number seven quarterback he's committing on June 18th Florida Texas A&M LSU uh, others Ole Miss uh, California let's go yeah his his brother his older brother junior college transfer has committed to Ole Miss so that's obviously uh, a factor there so that how does that impact Dante Moore let's say yeah he commits to LSU, you know, or Texas A&M. So, yeah, like you said, I love quarterback dominoes. That's the one, you know, most other positions, teams are taking multiple guys. And if a running back, maybe running back's a little different because there's only one ball. But, like, you know, there's only usually one running back at a time. But when wide receivers commit, that doesn't prevent another wide receiver from The quarterback, for sure, is, the, is yeah. the most impacted by other commitments, for sure. Right. So it's fun It's fun to watch and just thinking, you know, if, if you – if you start every cycle over again and one guy commits before another guy, maybe there's like maybe that affects 15 quarterbacks going to different schools. And how would that change the landscape? Um, sort of like a butterfly effect thing. So it's, it's something we will monitor. But with, with Rashada committing June 18th, uh, and he's a 2023 guy, some of the guys we've talked about are 2024 guys, I think that will, you know, m- maybe some commitments will follow after that. So it will be something definitely worth watching. Um, it's like if you go back uh, three years ago and you just change the commitment from one player, it's like the entire like that's what butterfly I yeah. effect of that is just insane. Yeah, that's maybe that, that'd be a fun. I, I don't know, like 
it'd be like sort of like a draft. We could have maybe on the podcast, we'll have a redraft from the year. Like CJ Stroud go was well, he's not a great example, right? Because he kind of blew up late. But like a uh if if I don't know, um Justin Fields stayed at Penn State or whatever, stayed at, you know, after because he was originally a Penn State command. It just might be fun to have a quarterback draft, uh redraft. Um all right, let's talk a little about Texas Tech. We we've talked about the Red Raiders. Quite a bit on the pod. They've got a top five class. It's still number two. Uh, Sam Khan wrote about them a few weeks ago. You wrote about them more recently in the context of their four-star safety, Calvin Simpson Hunt, who when he was committed to Texas Tech, that was his first offer. Uh, he might have, might have been unrated, but now he's a top 250 kid. Alabama offered. He's going to go visit Ohio State. You had, you had some really good conversations with him, his coach. It's sort of about the, the quandary that Texas Tech is in about you know getting guys and holding on to them and some some really good quotes in there I like I'll let you speak in a second but I love the one where he gets texts from Texas Tech coaches congratulating him on offers from other schools like great job buddy we're proud of you yeah um it's just a weird situation to be in if you're Texas Tech you know it's like our main job as a staff right now is to use our insights and our evaluation skills in the state of Texas to get and identify uh, players' commitments early in the process. But then, like, you want them to be successful and get better, but you don't want them to get too good because if they get too good, then all of a sudden you got to beat out Alabama for a recruit that you were the first person to identify. Um, so that's kind of what's happening right now with Calvin Simpson Hunt. You know, they got him early. They were the first program to take him seriously, offered him a scholarship, brought him on campus, got a commitment. Um, and you know, now he's a top 200 player and that, that ranking is certainly going to increase and he's visiting Ohio state. He's going to Oregon. He's been to Florida. Like there's a lot of, uh, you know, battle there for Texas tech. And I guess the only thing like, it's like, how would you do that? Um, if you're like, you do the no visit policy thing. I think that's an impossible thing to, to, uh, enforce, Because if you say you can't go somewhere, then it'll be like a rebellious teenager with their parents doing the exact opposite of what their, their parents said and probably take offense to it. But then, too, it's like if you encourage them to go and show them love, then all you can do is hope that they like you the best at the end. It's like there's a lot of uh, big trophy rooms and a lot of NFL sales pitches that that kid's going to hear in the next month before he makes a decision. But also, they have been the team that's been most consistent with their communication with him. Um you know, every single time that that family goes on a visit, they call Texas Tech staff and Texas Tech is going to get the final official visit. So, you know, I'm rooting for Texas Tech here, you know, to be able to 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 win out a recruitment like that because they were the first people to to notice the guy, I think is an interesting dynamic. So, you know, and NIL is a whole other discussion of like what, um, you know, could be coming down the pike. And like if Texas Tech can win that out, I think that gives us hope to, you know, that relationships really are the key the key thing here yeah it, we mentioned uh, allocation of resource resources texas tech is re- allocating a lot of resources to calvin simpson hunt and all of their 20 something commitments so that is that's you know obviously uh something they need you know they, they've got their priorities they want to hold on to all of their commits but i'm sure a, a guy like him is, is is extra important um we didn't mention ohio state when talking about the quarterback dominoes another development this week, Bill Landis has been all over this. They offered last week four-star quarterback um, in Baylor commit, Austin Novosad from Texas. And I listened to you guys on the Ohio State podcast. Just the the way that all came out 
came to be, him visiting there on his own, specifically wanting to work out for Ryan Day and quarterback coach Corey Dennis. The offer comes, you know, he's not, he's making some other visits, but it looks like things were trending in that direction. Then about four or five days later, they offer Brock Glenn, a three-star quarterback from Memphis, um, who I've just, you know, been following not, he's not local, it's three hours away, but he's been making the, the rounds around the South. He went to Auburn. Uh, you wrote about that. The, the key is almost ignore the rankings for these two guys. It, they're elite 11 finalists. They can play, and they've got a chance to even have those rankings go way up, not just the Buckeye bump, as you like to call it. Mm-hmm. They're going to go play with some of the best quarterbacks in the country later this month. And it's like Drew Aller last year. Yeah, I'd be stunned if their if their rankings don't go up. And then I'll let you talk in a second. But Dylan Lonergan is another guy at Ohio State who's in the mix. They've offered him. Um, he's a top 100 guy, but I don't know if he's as realistic. Yeah, and if you go look at um, Ohio State is very selective with their quarterback offers. Uh, in the 2023 class, they've offered nine uh, quarterbacks, and seven of them were ranked in the top 100 nationally. The only two that aren't are Nova Sod and Glenn. So, you know. And I think it's possible, like, C.J. Stroud made a late jump, too, when he was in the Elite 11. You know what I mean? Like, they just because they're ranked where they are uh, in June doesn't mean that's where they're going to end up because quarterbacks have a, you know, history, a long, vibrant history of jumping up big late in the process, especially after the Elite 11. So I'm very excited to see those two kids because I'm going to it work out, and I'll write stories about them when I'm in L.A. at the end of the month. And, uh, you know, it's... Really fascinating to watch Ohio State kind of operate when it comes to their quarterback position because, like, right now they got, you know, Kyle McCord and Devin Brown on the roster. Um, CJ Stroud is there, but he'll be in the NFL next year. And it's like one of those two is probably going to win the job, McCord and Brown, next year. And it's like, do you need a kid in in 23? They got the 24 five star coming in. When you have Dylan Rayola coming in 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 24? Like, I don't know. Uh, you know, you can go in and get a stopgap transfer guy that, that will come in and love to be a quarterback on Ohio State's roster, or do you try to get somebody like this who is kind of you underrated? Can you can do both, though. Yeah. You know, I, I think that it's a waste of scholarship to um, go after a guy that you don't think is going to play unless it's only a one-year thing as a body in the room. So my personal opinion is that you go after a guy like Novasad or, or, or Glenn and, and put him in the roster and see what they can do. And you know what? Maybe they develop into being a Joe Burrow-type player. Because that's how Joe Burrow was ranked early on in his recruitment, too. You know, and you never know what you're going to get. Um, rather than just offering some guy to come in and say, hey, we need a body in the room, take up a scholarship this year, and, you know, do what you got to do after it's over with. So, you know, they have offers, these guys. They're going to get more offers. And it's not like, you know, Baylor's a bad program. I mean, they're defending Big 12 champions. With right, I was Texas listening to and you Oklahoma. and Bill talk like, about that, and I kept, like, yeah. as I was listening. You, you, you both did say it, but it's like this team – Won the Big Twelve last year. They've been they flirted with the playoff twice. Yeah. So there's a lot of worse places you can you can go play. Yeah, sure, sure. And it's just like I feel like Baylor is kind of in the same position as Texas Tech. You know, it's like we got this guy, we identified him early, we got the commitment, and now all of a sudden Ohio State wants him to come offer or offer him and come visit. Yeah, well, what are you gonna well, do? Well, who was who was the kid last week here that decommitted from Baylor? Was it Farm or was Zach? Uh, Zach started with a P in the 2022 class. He ended up at Georgia Tech. Uh, Zach Pyron. I remember he was a longtime Baylor commit. And then I don't know if he got spooked by all the Big 12 rumors and all that. You know, Baylor not being in a Big 12, con- I mean, a Power 5 conference. And he ends up at Georgia Tech, a program that struggled big time last year and his coaches on the hot seat. And he could have been at Baylor, a team that won the Big 12. Yeah. Um, 
you never know what goes into that. I mean, he was a top 500 player too, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, that is also part of the reason why recruiting nationally is really hard if you're not a program that has traditionally done that. I mean, wasn't yeah, he from Alabama? He's from Texas. I think Pirates. No, he's from, from Alabama. No, no, Alabama. It's right, down by uh, south of Birmingham. Yeah. So and, and, Which know. is close to Georgia Tech. We, you know, Birmingham to Atlanta is, I think, like two, two hours, two and a half hours. So, um, you know, th- that makes sense there. Um, Clemson, your favorite program. Now accepting summer official visits. Welcome to the club, Dabo. You wrote about this in the mailbag. It makes too much sense not to host. I, I can see some coaches like Dabo resisting change in some things, but like you're already having these camps, you're already doing a lot in June. Why wouldn't you want these kids? Sure, you want them to see your environment on a fall Saturday, but they're coming for unofficial visits anyway. You can spend far more, much more time with these kids coming in June for official visits, and it seems like they're reaping some of that because they've got they had what. Uh, Three commitments in the past few days, past week, two four-stars and one three-star. I cannot believe that they changed that rule. Can you? You mean that Clemson changed that rule or just the Changed their own rule, yeah. Like the, uh, we're doing it the old school way. We're not going to have official visitors in the spring. I am, I for one am shocked that they're going to have official visitors now. Well, you know what happened? I mean, obviously. It's like trying to do a Zoom on AOL dial-up internet. (laughs) <laughs> what was your a- what was your email your aol email address again cadillac pimp <laughs> my dad what? let me drive yeah, his used cadillac sure was it school. like cadillac pimp 13 or something i can't remember what the, i think it was 11 because surely you weren't the only person that that cadillac pimp at i think i misspelled cadillac too which is on brand <laughs> that is unbelievable <laughs> yeah uh Cadillac has uh, two L's, and I think my screen name only had one. But you did it on purpose, right? That's what you're I telling me. I don't know that you I did. did. It ironically? Yeah. No, I, I just think that's what I did. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. Do you remember those Cadillac CTSs? No, I don't know much. The 2003 cars. Cadillac CTS. Uh, that was the car I drove in high school. And uh, it was really badass back then. So, but don't. it's obvious. It had a it, screen on the dashboard. At Clemson. Well, you don't want to talk about Cadillac CTSs anymore? No. Coach, I'm, I'm visiting Alabama June 7th. I'm visiting Georgia June 14th. I'm visiting Florida 24th. Can I visit you on the 28th? No. Nope. What was the... I don't even understand like what the main anti-summer visits thing was. I don't know. Like I didn't... Full disclosure, I didn't even know that that was their stance for a while until you wrote about that they are accepting it. Like, mm-hmm. and Grace Rayner wrote a column on it, like how they're doing it now. I, like I said, like they're already having camps, they're already doing stuff in June. Like, it's not like they I were, mean, there's just certain things that Dabo doesn't like to do that he's just gonna have to. Like, it's just that's what's happening. Everybody wants to take official visits in the spring and summer now. It's like, what are you going to tell every five-star prospect nationally that you don't want to have him on campus yet while he goes and visits everyone else and you just sit there with your thumb up your ass? Like, what, how are you going like, to, I don't know, like, how are you going to do, like, it's impossible. So, of course, they changed it. It's untenable. You know what else they're going to change? Yeah. How many transfers they take? You know what else they're going to change? Their bullshit, no visit policy. <laughs> Everything that they have, it's like, what are you going to do? Like, yo, you know, Corey Foreman was once uh, a five-star prospect in the, in the class two years ago, and he doesn't want to visit, or he's committed to Clemson, and he wants to take official visits elsewhere, and what does Clemson do? They say, you know what? You can't visit, and if you visit, then you're out of our class. 
So what happens? Corey Foreman decommits. You remember this? Yeah, that's when I first started working with and you. And then at the end of the at the end of the cycle, what happened? He went to USC. I know, but well, what was Clemson doing at the end? They were recruiting the hell out of him. Right. They wanted them to come back. So come why back, do we do, so why did we do this? We love it you. It makes Corey. no sense. Yeah. The no visit policy is to to get people to sign without visiting elsewhere or to don't make your commitment until you feel 100% sure and, and take all your visits first and then commit. I get it. Everybody wants to live in the world where you look a man in the eyes, you shake his hand and you know, your word is your bond and all the great things that you might have heard from uh, a movie that's in black and white. But like, you know, I, it's just not the way that the game works. And, you know, Dabo Sweeney is a sharp, intelligent, and tremendous football coach that built a program that we can all respect forever. But if you don't adapt, you die. And they're going to have to adapt, and they will. You, the, every single one of these stupid rules that, you know, worked in 2009, uh, in 2015, and 2018 aren't going to work anymore. They're going to change them. Or they're going to get mowed over by Alabama and Ohio State and all the other teams that are, are, are adapting the right way. And the other thing with, with Clemson, too, that I've heard from multiple coaches is that they don't sell NIL that, that well. To high school football players, there's a, a high school coach here that told me once that um, Clemson came into the high school and offered this awesome pitch and, you know, made the kid feel really good about him, himself and, um, you know, really liking Clemson and come win a national championship and all the great things that Clemson has to offer because they do. They've got a tremendous sales pitch. And then the next guy comes in and goes, hey, you get five thousand dollars a week for coming to a dinner on Friday night. How does that sound? And it's like all of a sudden Clemson doesn't exist anymore. It's like you have to acknowledge it. You have to change or you're going to lose, <laughs> you know, and whether you like it or not, change is, is inevitable in life, you know? Yep. By the way, you've talked about it. I think the best, or the, the worst quality you can have, not the worst. There's a lot of worst things you can do. Yeah, you could not, be a murderer. Yeah, not looking someone in the eye when you shake your, their hand. That's a, before my bar mitzvah, my dad, that was going to meet a lot of adults, a lot of their friends. Where was your bar friends. mitzvah? Where? Yeah. Temple Sinai in Summit, New Jersey. That's said, cool, man. Said uh, when you meet someone, shake their hand firmly and look them in the eye. So that's I. And your I, word I is your a, bond. I met a young. I saw someone in a high school baseball game. A friend the other day, a couple weeks ago. I met his son. The kid was like nine years old. He shook my hand firm, looked in the eye, and I complimented his dad. I said, "There, that's a good. That's a good kid right there." Yeah. So. So. And then he'll never decommit from you. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, All's fair in love and recruiting, my friend. Yeah. Can we talk pit football? Yeah, I don't know what you're going to say, but sure. Okay. I just, you know, we, we cover college football <laughs> recruiting yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> and they, had, they did have a bunch of commits this week. Yeah, three commits on Saturday. Uh, all three stars. One from Tampa, two from Georgia. Class is number 18 right now with eight commits. Pit, I, Pitt's going into the Georgia, going into Tampa. I guess that's what you got to do when you're pit. Um, but... Thoughts on Pitt recruiting, Ari? Uh, they have a top 20 class right now, um, and their top-rated player is a four-star quarterback from Tennessee. Yeah. Um, Kenny uh, Minchie. Minchie, right? He, uh, so, but, like, that's like a – you always want the best player in your class to be a quarterback. Well, this is just an aside. I'm on a text thread with some friends, uh, Vanderbilt guys, and that Minchie guy was considered at one point maybe a Vanderbilt lean. And Sorry, man. And then, well, no, it's funny because he come in. I have a friend who like just thinks thinks more highly of Vanderbilt football than he should. I'll just put it that Are way. Are you in a this, text thread about Vanderbilt recruiting? Just Vanderbilt sports with some friends. Oh, okay. So 
the, the guy, all he texted was like pit with five exclamation points. Like how could, and I was like, they won the ACC last year. They just had a quarterback go in the first round. Vanderbilt went, hasn't won an SEC game in two years. It's not that crazy that the guy would choose Pitt over Vanderbilt. So, yeah. I get uh, it. He, he had a meltdown? He was not pleased. <laughs> <laughs> um, got to get a collective going, bud. Yeah. Um, that's, this guy's got money. I need to tell him to get the collective going. Dude, it's the um, Kenny Pickett train. Get on it. Yeah. So, um, can we talk about your new, your new favorite sport? Hockey? College baseball? Oh. I hate college baseball. So, the other day, we're recording Monday. On Vanderbilt, I mean Monday, Vanderbilt's playing Oregon State at 3 o'clock Central Time. So, I told Ari, I'm gonna, it's, it's the winner-take-all game of the Corvallis Regional. So, I said, let's get your stuff done before I go. I'm going to watch Vanderbilt at 3. And Ari, being the good friend that he is, he's like, I'm going to put some money on Vanderbilt and watch the game. Even though Ari went to the University of Arizona, which has a very good baseball team. They do? He is, they played Vanderbilt in the uh, College World Series last year. Who won? Vanderbilt. Um, so it's the score's tied in the sixth inning, in the seventh inning, bottom of the seventh inning. Some dude from Oregon State hits a home run. And Ari texts me, he's like, What? How many innings is college baseball? I thought that was a walk off. I thought that the you college, thought baseball college baseball was seven, was seven innings. <laughs> yeah. I covered softball um, in college. Softball and seven, seven innings. innings. So yeah. maybe that's why you, I was you never went to an Arizona baseball game. You know game why I don't like were... college baseball? Can I tell well, you? Yeah, because I how many home runs were in that Vanderbilt game that we watched? Like four, uh, two, three. No, there was two, two or three. There was Vanderbilt at least three. One, three, three. All of those home runs looked like the batter missed it, like got under it. Fair point. And I mean, I'm a huge college baseball fan. Everyone, if you listen to the pod, we, we've talked about that. Van, so, baseball, college baseball has gone through many, many swings. Like in the ni- 80s and 90s, the, the term was gorilla ball, just like tons of home runs. Then they changed the bat. They changed the bats and the balls. For a while there, in the 2014 College World Series, the whole World Series, there was five total home runs. It's been it's not many home runs. And in the last few years, it's been trending upward. And if you followed any of the scores this past weekend, it was crazy how many home runs. So the people are saying the ball's juice, the bats or whatever like that. So um, I, I, I can see that argument. My, and another criticism of college baseball is the game. Like three long. people popped out to a left field over the wall. It's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, like, Oregon State's one of them, the, the lefty with the home run. I literally balls in the air and I was just like, okay, that's an out to the center fielder. And it went over for a home run. So but thanks for jumping on the bandwagon for at least one I tried. day. I, I wanted to, it. I wanted to uh, be there with you. And yeah. uh, you wanted to bond. The other thing, too, is just like baseball is such a and I know that the Major League Baseball people run into this, too, where if you use too many pitchers, you know, or like in a five game series, you have to like be strategic about what pitchers you use when and, you know, how quickly you want to burn through your bullpen because you never know when you're going to need them later. But it seems to me that they they play an inordinate amount of games so together so soon and it's like if you're playing for a national championship like why are you in a position where you have somebody you know doesn't have their stuff today that has to pitch because there's nobody healthy enough well it rewards the teams that win like oregon state came from the winner's bracket so that was their fourth game in four days where it was Vanderbilt's fifth game in four days so the college yeah. world series okay, is i guess that be- makes sense it's the just college like- world series is better about that though Ari, it's spaced out so you're never playing back-to-back games you've got days off so you can get by in the college world series with a much more not skeleton because you need pitching. But, but this you, was you, the College World Series, wasn't no, it? This or was just the, to get to the college. Okay. This was the first, the weekend, the regional. It's just like, I thought it was weird. Just like, you're like, well, they have this guy who's pitching. He's 
he's doesn't have his best stuff because he's pitched five times in the last nine days. It's like, okay, why is he in the game right like, now? No, like, oh, they have no other said. options. I, yeah, uh, yeah, that's not really what I said, but he's just he was the bottom of the the, the depth chart of the bullpen. All right, mailbag, a few mailbag questions. You with me? Yeah. How's the baby, by the way? How's the, she's good. Thanks. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, all right. Let's see. Um, local question from me. This is from David O. But do you think Utah will start to get – this is more of a specific question, but I want to talk general about it. Do you think Utah will start to get more four-star quarterbacks, corner cornerbacks, after the last two doing so well after just three years? Jalen Johnson, second-rounder, and Clark Phillips, uh, who Dane Brugler has listed as a first-round prospect for 2023. Uh, I know Utah will always have struggles, but uh, but especially with the secondary, they seem to have guys getting drafted. So I think the question is like a school like Utah that doesn't necessarily recruit at a super high level. I personally think it's got to help a lot. You can recruit to certain positions and say, hey, we we develop cornerbacks here. We develop offensive line like Wisconsin. I don't know. They develop. Do you, so do you think that will will that help Utah? It's got to help their sales pitch. Yeah, of course. Okay, that's your answer. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna level with you here, Mitch. Yeah, I got a uh, a text from somebody that I'm trying to interview, okay. and I read a text while you were talking, and I didn't hear what you said. Can you do it again? <laughs> I I love the honesty there. Yeah, okay. I just said I didn't want to sound like an go? asshole. Um, do you have to go? Do you have to cut this short? No, no, no. Ask ask it again about Utah. Okay. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> We've talked a lot about Utah in many contexts in this podcast recently, but not necessarily football. I didn't hear the word polygamy, so I spaced out. <laughs> I, the, the question was... Did you watch you, the season I, finale of that show yet? No, no. We're a week behind. Oh, because it's the finale. It's out now. It's over. Okay. We're watching I'm reading tonight. a new book. It's called The 19th Wife. That's... Yeah. yeah um, let me know how it goes. Yeah. Well, my question was, do you like polygamy? And you're like, yeah, I do. Okay. I do. Okay. Uh, local question from me, from David O. You listening now? You look like you're looking at your phone again. Are you listening? No, I'm listening to you. Okay. Do you think Utah will start to get more four-star corner? <laughs> I can't believe you. Four-star cornerbacks after the last two have done so well in just three years. Jalen Johnson, a second rounder, and Clark Phillips, who Dane Brugler, the athletics draft guy, has listed as a first-round prospect for 2023. So I kind of made a more general question: a school like Utah that doesn't necessarily recruit at a super high level, when you're really good at one position, it's got to help the sales pitch. Like you know, we, we develop. Where do they have Clark Phillips? Clark Phillips um, going. I'm, I'm got, interested in he that. He said Dane Brugler in the first round. Because Clark Phillips, um, I, know, I, wrote, I went to State. LA and I wrote a huge story about him. And I thought he was the sharpest kid, one of the sharpest kids I've ever interviewed in my entire life. Um, and when he flipped to Utah at the le- the 11th hour, I was just like, oh my God. Like I could not believe he did that. And I think at the time that Clark Phillips was um, the highest rated player Top 50, um, to right? ever sign with Utah so to see and I was always curious like I wonder how that's going to work out for him and you know if he gets drafted in the first round of the NFL draft like is that going to help their sales pitch hell yeah it is yeah Yeah. you know it's like I think we have this um, I think we have this idea that you know you have to go to Ohio State Alabama or Clemson to get drafted and it's like if you're really really good and like Clark is small too he's like 5'10 like you know but he's a really good football player Um, you know in your Utah, you can sit the kid down and say, "Hey, you know what? I know that it's nerve wracking. I know you walk through the facilities at at Cal at at Clemson and Alabama and Georgia, and these programs have unequivocally, you know, sent these kids to the NFL." But he goes, "Hey, 
this is the last person that take that took the leap that we're telling you that you can take and look what happened to them you can help us change our program you can come in and be coached by the same guys and you can find your way to the nfl just as easily as clark phillips did it's like that is a, a powerful sales pitch especially if you're recruiting against usc you can say hey look how terrible they've been at developing their players yeah no that's that's right on um all right, this is from Patrick. I'm going to tailor this question a little bit. Um, if you I'm had a recruit, to uh, if you had a recruiting budget for 25 players that broke down to five five stars, ten four stars, five three star high schoolers, and the rest for transfers, how would you prioritize position? In would geography still matter? Okay, I'm going to change this question. If you're a staff and you know you can get five five star quarterback, five five star prospects in a class. What would your ideal position breakdown be? I did mine. One quarterback, two defensive linemen, one offensive tackle, and one cornerback. That would that would be how I'd want to spend my five five stars. Say it again. Did you say offensive one, tackle? One offensive tackle. Okay, yeah, I'm with you on that then. Two defensive linemen, maybe and a, a tackle and an edge rusher, a quarterback and a cornerback. I'm with you 100%. Yeah. Cool. I think that I think I would want one five-star I think you could even make the case to get two. Like, what would your defensive lineman be? What positions? I think one tackle and one edge. Yeah. I, I almost would be convinced to get two tackles. Ooh, over two edges? I mean, Didn't if you just, like, collapse an offense with two guys who can't be blocked in the middle, like, that would just ruin. I mean, I, you, also having a, a game-wrecking edge is is um pretty. I mean, I watched Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, like, completely ruin uh, opposing coaches' game plans by themselves. So, you know, but you you want a quarterback for sure. You don't want an offensive tackle to protect him. Defensive lineman in one lockdown corner, I think that's the perfect breakdown. Haven't some fans, like, in Mailbag's question, like, you know, we need to cap the amount of five stars that can go to schools and stuff? Yeah, but... Don't you think they'd be the opposite of the Bama bump? Like, Nick Saban wanted a guy who was a five-star tackle. Then he they talked all of a sudden three-star? Yeah, and, like, a, a day later, he's It'd be a funny, because, like, all I would care about is three stars now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can still call the pod Stars Matter. Right? Yeah, Stars do matter. It would yeah. be an interesting game show. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't it be cool if we had like a recruiting draft? Yeah. Where everybody, you took the entire uh, 247 composite rankings and all the <laughs> all the programs in the country um, got to do their evaluations the same way they do it now. And then instead of recruiting players, they just went down the list and everybody like had to reach for people. That'd be awesome. It'd be like funny, like if the number one overall pick in the draft this year uh, in college football did not select Arch Manning. Yeah. Or what about Eastern Michigan at the first overall pick? Yeah, I don't know how that would work. I think you'd have to do a power five only first you yeah. know, to maintain order. Yeah. And some guy who likes App State who was yelling at me on Twitter today for not writing enough about App State probably just like pulled his hair out. <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, it'd be crazy like if you could like, no, no. What if um, winning your conference, the reward was getting a top 10 pick? That's pretty much what happens anyway. The best teams get the best it is recruits. Kind of, yeah. So um, I know but Baylor would have a first a top ten pick this year. Yeah, yeah, they could they could use it to keep their quarterback. Yeah, Austin Nova said. Um, all right, what do we have here? They could just oh. go get Arch Manning too. Okay, true. How about giving a little coverage to my California Golden Bears? Justin Wilcox isn't getting the five stars. Now this is from Lawrence, but something about his recruiting tells me he's building a program that truly develops his players. He's got two commits in 2023, a four-star safety, R.J. Jones, 282, and a three-star defensive lineman, Amos Talalel, number 401. That's not bad for Cal that I know they only have two commitments, but they're both four top 400 players. Yeah, 
it's a pretty good start. Yeah. So. Yeah. I it what is um the thing that tells him that that he's a fan or like is there something that we I mean because their recruiting class in 22 was 55 well I, I I looked it was really small too like yeah I just I There's think 15 Will, players in it right yeah Wilcox has a really good reputation uh defensive coach it looked like it's some momentum there it's stalled in recent years um so but if I'm not mistaken didn't Cal have like a bunch of top 200 players committed last year and then they all flipped the, yeah, they lost um, the quarterback who ended up at U at um, at UCLA. His name escapes me right now, but yeah, they had they had a series of decommits that you wrote about in this week in recruiting at one point. Yeah, so, um, I'm trying to look at what that quarterback's name was. Yeah, just go to UCLA's 2022 class. Um, oh yeah, Justin Martin. Yeah, from I think no, he's from, he was from Pasadena High School. Like, didn't he throw yeah. for like nine, literally like nine? Yeah, it was like nine touchdowns, touchdowns in, one in a game. game or something. No, it was like yeah. a, yeah, it was like more than nine. It was like it thirteen was or fourteen. Where people were mad about sportsmanship. Yeah, I think he set the yeah, I set a that. national record. Um, but like, yeah, no, I mean, I I think that uh, you know there is a lot of room to be um, gained in that conference, and I feel like. It's kind of there for the taking, and right now that the two massive favorites are UCL. I mean USC. Well, just look at the North. The North is really there. I mean Oregon's yeah. obviously recruiting very well, but there's room for upward mobility. And like all, the honestly, the, the the best developmental program in the Pac-12 went to the Rose Bowl last year, right? Like I think you make the case that Utah is that, and they have like they're the furthest away from the players too. Maybe the Oregon schools or Washington, but like. You know, it's still there. Yeah. And, and if I you have a feeling about somebody being a really good deve developmental coach that is doing things the right way, then the Pac-12 is the place where you could have dividends uh, as quick as possible. Yeah. And I don't know how much they recruit against each other, but the fact that Stanford is kind of mediocre right now can't hurt Cal. Again, I don't know, head-to-head. You know, Stanford's much more national and probably than Cal in recruiting, but it, it, it makes life easier when your rival is not good. And Stanford had a decade of excellence, which did not make things easy for Cal. Yep. Um, let's go one more question and then we'll hit the trivia. We'll hit trivia. Um, Northwestern, this is from Adam. Northwestern likely had the greatest recruiting class, greatest recruiting two to three weeks in the history of its football program. What do you attribute the success of its recruiting efforts in the shadow of a terrible 2021 season? I think what is true now, Cincinnati's clearly recruiting off of a recent run to the uh, playoff, but I think Northwestern won the, the Big 12, I mean the Big 10 West two years ago in recruiting is such a long process now. I think a lot of these kids probably they first got involved with coming off of a what a 10 win season or whatever they won and, and, and really made Ohio state sweat for a little while in the big 10 championship game. So we, we talk a lot about their practice facility. Obviously it's a great school, but I think their recent success, they can still point, they struggled last year, but they can say, Hey, we have won the big 10 West two times in the last three years, uh, four years. You can, you can still win a lot of games here. I mean, I think it's a, it's one of the better programs in the country from that standpoint. I mean, can you name who, who do you think, you know, on that level has, um, done it better. Stanford for a while, but Stanford's fallen off. Yeah. Stanford, Stanford also recruited bet much better than Northwestern ever has. Like Stanford, 
they they were getting a lot of high four stars. They were getting five star offensive linemen. Davis Mills, but you could actually make the case that like Northwestern has been the most consistent program in the Big Ten in the Big Ten West for like the last. Well, five actually, years. they have been. I know what you're saying, but they've also like, been very like inconsistent. Yeah. Yes, it's like every other year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Wisconsin's consistent. Um, yes, yeah, and I was consistent. They're consistent in like who they are, though. It's like they can't be great every year, but like they're consistently either good or building towards being good. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, I think Pat Fitzgerald is like a candidate for bigger jobs. He's not just a candidate. I mean, he's been offered, but he just yeah. he's staying put. You know, Michigan came calling. I think there's been a lot of programs that have come calling for yeah. him. I bet now, uh, so, he always strikes me as somebody who'd be good in the NFL, too. Well, there's rumors about him in the Bears, too. Yeah. So, yeah. They'd have less boards facilities with Chicago Bears, though. Yeah, probably. So, um, okay. So, I got I have two trivia questions here because Bill Landis sent me a trivia question. He was doing research for his Maryland state of the program and said, I got a trivia question for Stars Matter for you. So, I, I'm going to... Landis did this? Yes. See, he helps me out on things. I'm like some of my other writers. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, he's a giver, not just a taker mm-hmm. like, you, like you are. Um I'm going to hold that one for next week when Pete Landis is when Pete Land, when Pete Sampson is on, okay? okay? So I'm going to ask the one that I was originally going to ask you today. So you're not going to ask the one for Bill after you teased it? Right, I'm teasing it for next week. Okay. All those Bill Landis fans out I was out really there, excited to hear what Dollar B had to say about yeah, it. Yeah, they're going to have to Okay, well, we'll save it for Pete Landis next week. Pete Sampson. Okay. <laughs> Bill Sampson. Bill should come on to the show next week and read the question then. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just a guest appearance. Just have him come out in the last five like, minutes. Don't the they show. do that on Jeopardy? Like sometimes they have someone just yeah. read, read a question like a celebrity. Yeah, it's like throwing the first pitch out at a baseball game, except you're throwing the last pitch out on the podcast. Yeah. I enjoyed you guys on your pod talking about all the, the great car rides you made. Yeah, we did. Was, yeah. We had some good times. Yeah. Um, okay, let's. I'm going to try to concentrate on these because okay. this, this gets me. Yeah. There are 26. I don't know why, but there were only 26 five-star prospects in the class of 16. But that's not the trivia question. This is full five and seasons. I think there's 36 in this class. Yeah. There's, this is a full five years ago. So like everyone, unless, they're, unless okay. they were in a 60 year So this they, question's they, about the, the 2016 class. Yeah, you're not looking this up, are you? Am I looking? You accuse okay. me of looking shit up every week, and I've never once gotten a question right. <laughs> yeah. Why would I be looking it up? <laughs> How many of those five stars, those 26 five stars, have not played in an NFL game yet, a regular season game? An NFL game? Yes. I don't so even they, know how many of them were they, in the NFL to begin with. That's the point. Like, there was 26, you say stars matter. There were 26 five-star players in the class of 2016. How many of them made the NFL? How many didn't make the NFL? Like, so how many have not played in the NFL? Eight. You cheated. How could I have possibly looked that up that fast? <laughs> it's exactly eight. I'm even proud if, of you. How could I have possibly? It mean, wouldn't have even been possible if, if you would have emailed me you that like question. You said that so angrily, though. Like, you didn't like the question. Because you, you were, were yelling like de- at me for no you reason. Were, you were defiant. Okay, and how many of them have played in a game? Yeah, 18. Out of the 18? Well, no. No. 18 have played in a game. Eight haven't played in an NFL game. Oh, I thought we were... I thought it was eight people that didn't make it to the NFL at all. Right. The eight... Eight have not played in an NFL game. They might be on practice Like Shea Patterson was in the 2016 class. He hasn't played in the NFL, so he's one of them, right? Right, exactly. But like Jacob Eason is in the NFL, right? He's played in games. He has? 
Yeah, he played oh, for the I thought Colts. he was just a backup for the Colts. I didn't know that he actually went into games. Yeah, he played. Okay. So, okay, I'll tell you the ones that um, have not. Shea Patterson, Levante Taylor, corner number seven, cornerback signed with Florida State. Number 10, Ben Davis, linebacker, Alabama. Number 11, uh, I, is it, I never knew how to pronounce this guy's name. Mikey Juarez, linebacker, signed with UCLA. I think he transferred to Utah. Number 12, the well-traveled Demetrius Robins, Robertson, signed with Cal. Mike. It's Mike? Okay. I think so, yeah. Tr- Cal, Georgia, and Auburn. Number 15, uh, Olawale Batiku, defensive end, USC. Number 19, Jack Jones, cornerback, USC. Had some, I think he transferred to Arizona, maybe. Had, uh, Arizona State had some legal issues. Number 24, Caleb Kelly, linebacker from Oklahoma. I thought you'd like that question. You, it was a good question, yeah. Okay. It was hard because, like, the number it's one. It's hard. You got it right. I know, but like I, I cannot believe I actually got one. But like it was a complete blind guess. Whenever I yeah. a- answer the questions, it just sounds like if there are twenty six five star prospects in a class, how many of them make it to the NFL eventually? Probably seventy five percent of them. Yeah. So some of these guys um, still could play in a game. They're like been bouncing around practice. Yeah, like Shea Patterson could light it up in whatever league he's Wasn't he in the USFL. In the USFL, and then get and you yeah. never know. Um, I just know that like the two defensive ends in that class that were big time were Rashawn Gary and Nick Bosa, and both of them have played in the NFL. Yes. Yeah, some of these guys had to look up if they've actually played and didn't need to look up Nick Bosa. Did you need to look up Ed Oliver? No, I know he the Bills. Yeah. There's uh, a lot of there's a lot of talent there, right? Yeah, but it's it's uh it would be interesting too. It's just like how many like percentage wise, like yeah. there are there have been two hundred and twenty five five star prospects in X number of the past years. What percentage of those players played in an NFL game? Yeah. I bet you it'd be roughly seventy five percent if you went and looked it up. Yeah, I would. I, that, that's that would be my guess too. So, um, all right, I think we're done. About an hour. Good talk. Good talk. Art. Yeah. So, do you want me to? You want me to close it out for us? Oh, by the way, I want to. Uh, I want to wrap up the uniform. I guess not. Because my least favorite uniforms in all of sports: Baltimore Ravens. You don't like them. I don't like purple. I don't like. So you the don't font. like my Clemson uniforms either, then? Well, it's a different shade of purple. I don't like purple on black. I don't like the font of the jerseys. I don't like the colors. I don't like the helmets. Nothing against the Ravens. I just okay, don't like so since I we're going into the NFL, I'll tell okay. you. My I hate their uniforms. Number one. I love the Jets uniform uniforms opinion. before they changed them. The number one uniform in all of sports is the San Francisco 49ers. Really? I like them. Do you like the gold pants or the, the, the gold pants the, the white shirt? It's the, the red every and the era, too. They've been amazing. Um uh, the the I, I when they throw the, when they wear the throwbacks with the black uh, shading um, that they used to wear like when Deion Sanders was on the team. Yeah. But like, there's no be- more beautiful combination of colors than um, gold and red, and the numbers that have the black shading with the white numbers and the gold yeah. pant. It's uh, they are beautiful uniforms. And if you go and look at like the the way that they've kind of evolved over the years, they've always been beautiful because the colors are just infallible. Like they're the most beautiful and the logo is amazing. Like everything about the 49ers uniforms is perfect. I like them. I wouldn't, they wouldn't be in the top 10% of uniforms, but that's, I, uh, that's, insanity. I like the giants road uniforms. I like the gray pants and the white shirts. I love, like I said, I like the jets before they changed them. So, yeah, well, you know okay. what? That's the coolest thing about, uh, so it makes the world you go around, Ari. You know, we don't like have to like things. exactly what we what other people like. Yeah. Um, okay. So you want me to close it out? Please do. Thank you for listening to Stars Matter. We'll catch you guys next week. 